Alright. Mahing hapon sa tanan. Basta nag-wonder mo, nag-change me ni Beamer. <laughs> Wala man na-expect that I'll be preaching for tonight, but okay, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Anyways, um, once again, welcome to those first-timers who are here. Um, you are very much welcome. Uh, I think na-welcome naman, Pastor Mark, but what one thing I, I would like to say that we don't bite, okay? We don't judge people. Uh, we don't know where you are now in your spiritual walk, but this church is full of imperfect people. Okay, so just chill and relax. Now, um, so my name is Clyde, and today we are continuing our study in the book of Galatians, and I think we've been studying this for more than a month or two months, I guess, and I hope you are still okay, and I hope you are still excited to hear what God says through this book, and please open your Bible, and in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's an available Bible there. So, or share, share lang ta. Okay, let me just read it for you. Galatians 4, verses 8 to 11, it says here, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this privilege to worship you and to listen you, but uh, to to worship you and to listen to your word. And thank you for each person that are here today. We be with us, God. Help us. Help our ears to be attentive. Help our minds to be engaged and our hearts to be open to your word that we may receive it by your spirit. And help us teach us of the truth that you want us to understand and help us to see how this truth impacts and change our lives. And may you be seen in today's sermon, God, in today's preaching. May all glory and honor belongs to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I think all of us, there's an innate desire for freedom in each and every one of us, right? We want freedom. Now, whenever I say freedom, it might mean different for you, right? Uh, we have different definitions of what freedom is, but what the freedom I'm talking to here is the freedom to choose what you want, the, the freedom to desire, decide on what you want. And when I search um, in, in, in Google, on say pasabot or on say meaning aning freedom, According to the Wikipedia, money ang general nga definition. It says that freedom general, generally is having the ability to change or to act or change without constraint. Something is free if it can change easily and is not constrained in the present state. Now, I think when we were just kids, if we remember in the past, okay, the past of past, when we were just kids, we don't enjoy so much pre- freedom, right? 
Kita kay bawal. Okay? Ginabawalan ta sa atong parents dagay mga restraints. Bawal ni bawal na. Bawal mo kaon og tamis. Bawal mo kaon og tabang rapod. Bawal mo kaon og paratra kaayon sa naman din ni atong kaonon. Okay? And, and there are some superstitious belief that bawal magnail cutter if gabi. Makarelate mo na kay basin daw na ay mamatay. Okay? <laughs> and na uh, okay, bawal. When you were just kids, can you remember if there after the rain, na ay rainbow, right? And bawal daw ni mo tudloon ng rainbow kay maputol yung kamot. Right? <laughs> so, and we don't like to live a life that is not free, right? We want freedom. We want to decide on our own. We want to choose on our own. And um, I think the reason why we want to decide on our own is this could be the, the primary reason or it could be one of the reasons. We want freedom because... We want freedom that leads to self-satisfaction. That's what we want. It could be the primary reason. It could be one of the reasons, just like what I've said. And that's why we try new stuff, new clothing, um, new fashion, new adventure. And we look for 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 nice career, nice job, okay? And just to satisfy ourselves. Just to get what we want. And there are people who do the extremes. They, they, they try to do the weird and strange stuff that they've never done before just to satisfy the desire of their hearts. And, and sometimes, if you are not careful, okay, this seeming, I, I'm not saying those things are bad, okay? Wh- whatever things that you're pursuing now, I'm not saying that those things are bad, but if you're not careful, These things that are seemingly good on the outside might be destructive in the inside. It might lead you into bandage. It might, lead, it might be a form of addiction or obsession for you. And we think that we are living a freedom that we want to live, and yet these things are actually enslaving us. Therefore, we are not free still. So we must be careful because... Um, And what enslaves us becomes our master, right? What enslaves us? What we pursue and think every day, something that consumes our mind, it becomes our master. Or shall we call it, it becomes our idol. And when we, when we hear about that word idol, I think something that would pop up in our mind, we normally think of those people, you know, tribal group from faraway land worshiping the gods and worshiping the, the, the moons and the stars. And in our context here in the Philippines, you know, um, we think of an idol that those things that are like carved image or whatever, right? We think about that. That these people are practicing pagan idolatry. And Yes, I, I think I think those are idols, but there's another form of idol that is more subtle. Just like what I've said earlier, there are seemingly good things in our lives, but if we entertain those things, it might be, it might enslave us and it might become an idol. Anything that is good can become an idol in your life. And you might say... Oh, Okay, okay. Unsay mo ang pasabot. Let me just define first what is an idol. Para same page tadere. Okay lang? 
Now, according to Tim Keller, he said this, An idol is this, it is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. It's anything, even good things can be an idol. Anything in this world. Not just those obvious idols that are simple sa mga moons and stars or whatever, but even the good things that we have, the good stuff that we have, it can be our idol too. Anything that consumes your mind, that causes your anxiety, something that you say, life is all about this, it can be an idol. Something that you are living for, it can be your idol. So it, it is not just limited to bad things, but even good things become a God thing and are in self and are in itself destructive. And actually, this is what is happening in the Church of Galatia because there are Judaizers. I think ginabalik balik ni ni Pastor Mark that there are Judaizers who are influencing and introducing this new uh, this false teaching that is actually seemingly good on the outside. But it's so distractive. It's so enslaving on the inside. So just want to review what we've discussed last sermon, if you can still remember. Um, I think we talk about sonship. Right? We talk about sonship. And basically we've learned that by faith in Christ, you become sons of God. Solely by faith, not by doing good works. And this is what Paul is trying to explain to this Galatian, Gentile believers. And he explained this in verses 1 to 11 prior to this verse or the passage that we've read that they have been adopted as sons of God. And they all have the rights and privileges that comes into that sonship. But now there's a problem in the passage that we've read. They're already sons and now they are turning into slavery. That's why we understand Paul in verse 11, he said that I feared for you. I feared that my labor would be in vain. So we can we can see the frustration ni Paul na yam mga ang yam mga ang ang mga gentle believers are now are now they, they are they were they are sons by the virtue of their faith in Christ and now they're turning back again into slavery. And as if that having the privileges of being a son is not enough for them, that they are looking for more and they are going back again in becoming a slave. So here's my point for today. Okay? So that's just a background. And here, here are actually my points for today. Um, as we go through the text, I will share with you the three main points. Um, the subtle form of idolatry the nature of idolatry, and the solution for idolatry. And this last point is actually the how, and it summarizes my previous points. Okay? Are we good? All right. So, let's start. Okay, introduction. And now let's start to the main thing, to the body of the text. Okay? Now, let's talk about the subtle form of idolatry. Now, Paul says in Galatians 4.8, it says that formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature are not gods. Now, Paul reminds them of their former life, of their past life. 
that when they did not know God, they were by default serving another God that is not God at all. Okay? And we don't really know the background kung unsan ni mga gods, but if we do a little bit of digging in history, um, these Gentile believers in Galatia are actually practicing the worship, um, wor- they are actually worshiping Roman gods, even worshiping their, their leaders, okay, Caesar. Now, nowadays it's happening, it's in Davao, okay, we are worshiping Alright, and some of them, they are actually devoted to ancient deities like Zeus, Hermes, and other, other, you know, I think we know this, most men. Okay, mga characters, right? So Dota, okay? And, alright, and some of them were connected to astrology, which means that they are worshiping stars, moons, and other basic elements of this world. In fact, we can, we can see this in, in the missionary journey of Paul in the, in the, in the province of Galatia. There's a specific city there where they encountered a lame man for a long time. And when they performed miracles, they healed this lame man. The crowd saw, saw them. And here is their actions towards that, um, miracle. Nagibuat nila. In Acts 14, 11 to 12. And when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Laconia, their own dialect, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So imagine, imagine the setting. Imagine their, their practices, okay, within the place, right? And then let's continue. And the priest of Zeus, so there's priest whose temple was, there's a temple of Zeus, okay, in that city. At the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer a sacrifice with the crowds. So this is something that enslaved them, pagan idolatry. It enslaves the, the people in Galatia. And Paul reminds them of their former life here. That when they did not know God, the true God, they were by default serving another God. They were enslaved by pagan idolatry now. And then he added in verse 9. Now I know we delegate them makarelate sa ilang former life, right? Kinsa pa yung worship of moons and stars dere. Wala man siguro, no? But in verse 9, Paul reveals something to them and the word of God reveals something to us that something that we can all relate. Because I think, I, I know and I do, and I am, I understand that we are living in this Christian nation with Christian families and Christian communities and we think that we are invulnerable to some idols like this form, their former life. And maybe some of you would say, I, I have faith in Christ. I, I, I believe in the gospel. And I, I go to church every day. I pray every day. I do my devotions. I serve in the specific ministry and I think, Dilikuma, dala sa mga idols or whatever form it is. And that's the problem because we think that we are, we are different from these people who are practicing, you know, the obvious worshiping of gods. But if we are not careful, we can be like them. Slaves of something. Now you will ask me, really? Can you show it to me? Let me show it to you. And I actually, this is, this is, this could be, this is one of the reasons why that moves Paul to really write this letter towards them because 
um, they were sons and now they are now turning into slavery, which is another form of slavery and it is more subtle. And we can see that in verse 9. Paul says, But now that you have come to know God or rather be to be known by God, I'll be... Mubalik ako dira ang na line, okay? But I'll dig in deeper sa next line. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. Now, please observe that text. And let me ask you a question. Did Paul mean that they are turning into paganism? They are turning back to the elementary principles of the world who slaves them and they are serving days and months. Are they turning back again into paganism? Are they tempted to worship their deities like Zeus and offer sacrifices to their gods? Now I think we will understand this better uh, later. Um, but I think Paul clearly states here that they are turning back again. Now, what Paul is, what Paul is emphasizing is this, that they are turning again into slavery, into slavery, okay? But in another form and we will we will discover that how and um they are turning back from what from the elementary principles of the world now for us to better understand this we need to get the 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 original um uh, word for this and the original word is actually stoikeia the elementary principles other other version kay elemental elements or elemental elements elemental principles and uh, and Stoichea means, some theologians says that it could mean the elements of creation, like sun, moon, and stars. And others says elementary principles is refers to basics of human religion. And it could also mean elemental spirits that refers to false gods and false demons. Okay? Now, if we actually summarize their ideas, okay? If we actually summarize their ideas, basic to, to, to simplify it, the, the elementary principles of this world are actually those principles and systems and ways in this world that is governed by the demonic forces and ultimately Satan. Okay, because he is the prince of the world. Every wickedness, every idolatry that we see, wickedness that we see in our world today. Behind it are the working of the demonic forces. Okay? Ephesians 6 tells us this. That 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So every wickedness behind every idolatry or whatever form of practices that worships the created, Rather than the creator, behind everything that is happening in the world around us, these things are gover governed by Satan. There's spiritual darkness, spiritual forces behind it. And I think we know the basic principle of this world, right? What is the basic principle of this world? I think it's this. We need to save ourselves. Kabantay mo sin yung life. That there are times you are trying to fill in your hearts with the things of this world. I don't know, maybe in the form of money, relationships, career, 
fame or whatever because you're actually trying to save yourself from your emptiness. You're trying to save yourself from your loneliness and there's a void in your heart and you're trying to fill in the gap. And this is the basic principle of the word that we need to save ourselves. And in the context of this passage, this is actually what happens. We know the people who are who are causing the chaos in the, in the, the church of Galatia are the Judaizers and they, they, they um, teach that faith is not enough. They must, they must do something. They must be circumcised. The Gentile believers must be circumcised and be like them in order to be saved. So see, there is an issue of saving themselves here, but it is through the works of the law. And these Judaizers were successful somehow. That these Gentile believers who are already sons are now practicing observing days, observing months and years, and which means that they are actually observing rituals and ceremonies according to the Jewish calendar, trying to gain spiritual merit before God. And take note of the word enslaves. Now, Go back. In the verse. Alright. Take note of the word enslaves. Ah, no, no, no. In Go back, go back. Gamay, gamay, gamay na lang. Yan. Mingan siya These weak and worthless elementary principles whose slaves you want uh, you to be once more. Now, he used it in their former life, right? That they were enslaved by pagan idolatry, by paganism. It was clear, right? And yet he used it in verse 9. That these people, that these Jewish legalist people are also enslaved. And what they are turning into is slavery. Slavery of what? Slavery of the law. That because these Jewish people think that by obeying the law, they can be saved. They can gain acceptance before God. And I think it was emphasized, right? In 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 the in one of the the sermons of Pastor Mark, we they, he emphasized that the purpose of the law. I mean, remember na remember katong law and the gospel. That the purpose of the law is actually not to make you moral. The purpose of the law is so that it reveals your sinfulness, it reveals your spiritual bankruptcy before God that you cannot really fully obey it, and that. When you realize this, you need to run to the true Savior who obeys fully and everything for you. That's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is not to make you moral and therefore be accepted by God. The purpose of the law is to, to reveal something in us that we cannot really fully obey it and we need a true Savior, not us. So the point of Paul in here is this. Is slavery to the law is no different from the slavery of paganism. The bondage is the same. They are both enslaved by something, yet different jailers. And you might say, I think the worst people are those people who are worshipping, you know, idols, mga carved image, but in the eyes of Paul, it's the same. Whether you are immoral or irreligious, and you are moral or religious apart from Christ, you are the same. There's no difference because you are both enslaved by something. Both of you are in bandage. So if you think that you're better than those people who are worshiping suns and moons, 
But you and yourself, you are enslaved of the law, thinking that the law can save you. You are no different than them. That's what Paul is emphasizing here. So, and I, I think one way of saying is this. The Gentile people who are irreligious or immoral are just enslaved as the Jewish people who are moral and religious. They are both enslaved by something. Different in culture, different in background, but both of these two parties are centered on a man-made system of works. Both of them were performing rituals, ceremonies, and you know, doing things so that they can be accepted by God. This Gentile people in their past, they were they were performing, doing some rituals to appease, and therefore they can find salvation when when they think that they they are they are accepted by their small own, own gods. And this Jewish people are actually also doing the same thing. They are trusting on the law, not on God ultimately. They are trust, trusting to the works of the law that it can save them. Therefore, both of them are not trusting God ultimately. And both of them are enslaved of something. And both of them are in bandage. They are trusting themselves and anything in this world. And both are wrong. Put them in slavery, yet one is more dangerous. I think this is the slavery that they are turning into now. It is more subtle because this kind of slavery is not obvious. Because we can see in the life of the, of the Pharisee or the Jewish people, we can see in them that outwardly they are serving God. Right? Outwardly they are performing something and we think that they are serving God, but inwardly their heart is far away from God. Outwardly we see that they are trusting God, but inwardly they are actually trust, trusting in the, 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 the law, the works of the law, not really God ultimately. So that's why this is more subtle. This is this, because this is not obvious, and we need to continually search our heart as well as Christians, because I believe this is how Satan works in our lives, even though we're Christians. Just like um, in, in Jewish people, they they think that the law. I, we believe that the law is good, right? It's perfect and unholy. Yet Satan twisted the mind of these legalist people thinking on the purpose of the law and I think that's the way as well that Satan would work on us if we are not careful that he will twist our minds yet yes we understand that we are saved by grace but the way we operate our lives is not by grace anymore it's through the works of the law now to make it more practical let's have some self-reflection activity here okay quick and I want you to fill in the blanks or fill in the blank in your mind God is more pleased with me if I, or if I have. Now, by pop up same mind, God is more pleased with me if I, if I have. If I do my devotions every day, God is pleased with me. If I go to church, if I join small group, I think God is more pleased with me. If I give more, God is. So please, and if I serve in the church, serve in the specific ministry, I think God is more pleased with me. Because I've actually met a lot of Christians who think, yes, they understand that they were saved by grace, but the way they live their life is not by grace anymore. They are actually doing some works along with the finished work of Christ. And, and when you appreciate them, they will say, yes, amazing guy, you know, and it's all by the grace of God. And sometimes it's just a cliche yet they don't really understand what they are trying to say. And I'm not being judgmental here because I can relate. 
Especially when someone appreciates you, amazing kayo mong pag-serve, amazing kayo mong pag-preach, amazing kayo mong pag-play, and you will say, and then you will feel good about yourselves. Wow, amazing kayo. And you, we will, you will feel good. You will feel that the presence of God is so overflowing in your life. But the moment that you fail, you commit sin, you feel like you are a less Christian now. You feel that the, the presence of God is not in you anymore. It seems like that the Holy Spirit Spirit departed from you. Now there, are, it's reality. I, I I've met some people like that. Okay, that they feel like they're less Christian because they've done something wrong, thinking um, that the basis of the love of Christ is on their performance or morality. And if you feel that way, brothers and sisters, welcome to the slavery of legalism. Welcome to the slavery of the law. If you feel in your life that you are, your, your life is worthless now because you've failed, you've sinned, you, you, you've committed something, you feel like you're worthless, you feel like that you are, you are not a Christian anymore, you are of the world now. Now that's actually the spirit of legalism reigning through you. Okay? So we need to be careful in this. And I think one of the prevailing schemes of Satan nowadays, especially in this Christian nation, is that um, Satan is twisting the minds of the people that the key to be accepted by God is be, by becoming moral. It's through moralism, by doing so many things, so many things for God. And I, I think that's one of the prevailing schemes. And if we're not careful, we, we, we can be, uh, we can be enslaved by it. Because I, I believe Satan does not really care if you obey the Ten Commandments, which is really impossible, but he doesn't really care if you obey the Ten Commandments provided that you rely on them. In fact, he will help you to become more moral, more respectable person, more charitable person that you can be. He doesn't care if you go to church, doesn't care if you pray every day, doesn't care if you join small group, as long as you rely on them, you take credit on the things that you've done and use it as the basis of your acceptability before God. So we must be careful as Christians. And if we are sliding back to this kind of, mis- of mindset, I want you to search your heart motivation always as you serve. And let me ask you a question now. Is your service just an expression of your understanding of His love for you? Or are you doing it to make sure that He will continually love you? Think about your life now. In your Christian services, whatever form it is. Is it just an expression of your understanding of His love for you or you are doing it so that He will continually love you? Because if you are doing it so that He will continually love you, you don't really understand the grace of God. That His love for you is fixed no matter what, regardless of your performance. And that's the basis why we are saved. We are saved not because of our performance, but we are saved because of His performance for us, of Christ's performance, of Christ, on what Christ has done for us on the cross. And second question, do you really believe that His love for you is fixed regardless of your performance? Now, if you are not a Christian, you know in yourself that you haven't really put your faith in Christ. Now, this message, hopefully this message would enlighten your hearts. That it's not by being moral that you can be accepted by God. 
It's not morality. Morality is not the key. It's all about believing. It's all about faith in Christ. It's, all, it's not about doing, but it's first believing. And doing comes after that. And we don't force you what we believe here. We, want, we don't want you to believe what we believe, but hope this sermon would enlighten your hearts and lead your hearts to really search for the truth. But what we believe here in this church is that Christ died for us, or Christ didn't die for us because we are moral. Christ died for us because He saw that we are wicked, utterly bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, nothing to offer but sin. Yet, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, not while we were still moral, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to offer us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And that offer is available for you as well if you haven't put your faith in Christ Jesus. So we're done with our first point, the subtle form of idolatry. And we need to be careful always, okay? Because maybe the good things that we do in our lives become a God thing for us. Even our service for God, we're actually not trusting in Him, but we're trusting ultimately on the things that we do to be more accepted by God. And let's go to the next point, the nature of idolatry. Let's look at the next, uh, verse 9, I think. Galatians 3. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm not going to change. Galatians 4, 9. Okay. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days, months, seasons, and years. Now, we can see here, and we can see here the nature of idolatry of the idols in our hearts. We can see first, the, the point of Paul is idols are weak and worthless. Now, what does it mean? Now, weak comes from the Greek word asthenes. Ah means without. Asthenes means strength. So it's literally, it's literally, uh, it literally means without strength. Meaning to say idols doesn't have the capacity to help, doesn't have the capacity to save. And he also used the word worthless here. Worthless elementary principles. And Paul was actually, when he used this word, he was painting a picture of a beggar crouching at the door with a tin cup on his hand asking from, for money from other people. Kana good mang lilimos? He's actually painting that picture to them. Alright? And this a beggar that is so poor that he is unable to meet his own needs and he depends from others. So that's why Paul was so uneasy that he feared for them. Because the idol, I mean the what they are turning into now is something that will make them a slave that turns them into beggars where in fact they are already sons of God. And Paul used this term in this context to emphasize that their religious duties and rituals is weak, doesn't have the capacity to save. It doesn't, it's not sufficient to be accepted by God. And I think this is what the religious idolatry does to us. It also makes us beggars because religious or Jewish legalism or legalism promotes that you need to do more, do this and do that. For you to be accepted by God, right? And actually, it makes us beggar, and it is so rampant nowadays, especially in prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel promotes that when you do this, when you give more, you will be blessed. 
When you do this, you will be blessed. Alright? Now, if you give in into that mindset, you become beggars. Why? Because you're actually believing that the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, not material, okay? The spiritual blessings that we have in Christ is not enough. That's why we long for more like material blessings in this world. And that's what the prosperity gospel promotes and it's, it's a lie. Right? It's a lie. And we think that the basis that we are blessed is we have these cars, we have these houses and many blessings, material blessings in life. And people will say, I'm really blessed because I have this. That's a lie because I think it was explained last Sunday that we have been blessed so much more than we could ever imagine. I'm referring to the spiritual blessings that we we receive the moment we put our faith in Christ that is not even worth comparing to the things of this world. Can money give you eternal life? Can career give you eternal life? Can fame give you eternal life? It won't! Sorry guys, strong But the point is this, we, we need to be careful. We have been blessed so much the moment we put our faith in Christ. So why exhaust our effort in doing many things just to be accepted by God when you are already approved and accepted the moment you faith the moment you put your faith in Christ. Why live your life solely for the things of this world, pursuing the things of this world of this world where in fact you have the incomparable spiritual riches in Christ that is not worth even worth comparing to the things or to what the world can give us. And sometimes we forget this. And the reason why we entertain idol, idols in our lives, the reason why we look for idols in our lives is we act like beggars. We want approval from God and we, we long for approval from other people. Okay? Why do we need to be in fashion always, you know? Dapat updated as a trend. Because you don't want other people to see you that, that you are a person who is out of fashion, Right? For men, okay, why do you go to relationships after relationships? Now, the reason behind that is I believe you want to prove to the society that you are really a man. Because that's the culture around us promotes that if wala pa yab, then I think magdoubt sila sa mga ka, lalaki ka or bayad ka. Okay? That's actually the culture. And sometimes people are so pressured to go into the relationship without even the intention to marry this person, not because it is out of love, but it is actually out of pressure. They want belongingness. They want acceptance. They want approval from others. That's why they entertain or they go to relationships after relationships, thinking that the basis of their manhood is which is totally different on what the Bible or the Word of God says to us. So idols really makes us beggars wanting the approval of God and people and it blinds us of the reality of who we are now in Christ. So can you tell your sitmate that stop acting like a beggar? Yes, I think money, career, relationships are important. These things are good stuff actually. Okay. I'm not saying they are they are bad. 
Of course, we need money for our daily living, right? <laughs> but, and you may have all these things, but remember, these things didn't resurrect for you. P. Mark always tells this to us. These things didn't resurrect for you. And I always preach this to myself whenever I'm tempted to entertain these idols in my life. Okay? Money won't resurrect for you. Your husband, your wife, or your boyfriend or girl, girlfriend, boyfriend or girlfriend won't resurrect for you. Your career won't resurrect for you, but Jesus did. He has risen. He has resurrected to prove to you that he can give you eternal life. Eternal security, eternal satisfaction, everlasting joy, which the things of this world cannot give. These things that we are pursuing in this world will just give you false hope, false security, false satisfaction, momentary joy. So why do we crave for the things of this world? If we have been blessed so much the moment we put our faith in Christ. And sometimes we forget it. That's why we need to really preach the gospel. Hope, hopefully that we are continually preaching the gospel in our lives. I think tapos na gospel-centered life na sir, uh, series. But I hope you are continually making it a habit to really preach the gospel truths in your life so that you won't be, um, you won't slide back in entertaining idols. So f- yes, first, idols makes us beggar and it's weak. And secondly, idol enslaves says who enslaves you to be once more. I think that's the nature of an idol, right? An idol enslaves people and, and enslave comes from the Greek word doleo, which means in a state of being fully controlled by something or someone. Now, brothers and sisters, idol controls you. It's not the other way around. That you think you control yourself but idols controls you. Wala may moingon siguro nga slave sa yang master, okay? Nga, ay, master, pwede ikaw sa ang mga grocery dito kay mag-FB sa ako? Wala man siguro yung mga no? Sugoon siya, nabantayan ng anak, uh, busy pa ko, master, ina ko ginabuhat. He, the, the, the slave doesn't have the right to do that, right? And he is willing to be controlled by his master because he thinks that his master is his savior. That's the nature of a slave and a master, right? And an idol will totally enslave you if you continually entertain them in your lives because you think that they can save you. Let's say, for example, you have an approval idol. You want to be liked by people. You want people to appreciate you all the time, okay? Now, definitely the, the approval idol will control you because every day you live your life na conscious guys, kayo ka kung ipang ingon sa mga tao sa muha. And whenever you think and whenever you heard na kaninga person na is something bad about you, you exert your effort trying to defend yourself. Trying to de- defend yourself. Now, that, at that moment, the idol of approval is actually controlling you. Because the idol, the idol of approval, you know, feeds your mind that you need to save yourself from having a bad reputation. You need to save yourself from having a bad image, which I think we cannot really control. We cannot Honestly, we cannot control people's people's opinion about us, right? But we are trying to control as much as we can everything. In fact, it's impossible for us to control. And if you have an idol of control, if you are a control freak like me, that's the dominant idol in my heart. I want to confess it. And I want to try 
to control the circumstances as much as I can. Okay, if there is something that is happening, I, I, I want to control things. And you know what? This is what I feel. The more like I, I control things, the, the more I feel like I'm losing control. And yet, I'm still doing it. I'm trying to control things. And at that moment, I, I, I thought that I was in control, but actually the idol of control is controlling me. Feeding my mind that you need to play God. You need to play like God. You need to play like a sovereign one in order to save yourselves, which is really impossible. So whatever kinds of idols that we have in our hearts, the reason why we entertain them is because we think that it can save us from our insecurities, from our loneliness and happiness in life. And when we see that it's not yet enough, it, it's not yet enough, we keep on trying or running towards these idols and yet never satisfied. Makabantay mo. Um, senior life, you keep on pursuing things and we ha- when you have this thing deep inside there's still a desire in you to want more you're never satisfied right and these idols are really never enough because it will just give you full security and full satisfaction and momentary joy and at the end it will control you i want you to think of an idol like a pacifier familiar man taning pacifier right now there's a purpose kanang nganang naong sa batang ako ang gi Ipashow sa inyo, ha? okay? Familiar man ta ka ng... Sa paning? Chupun. Oh, chupun. Okay, but I think social, social na naman. Pacifier, okay? Um, now, a pacifier is a good thing. Right? But I'm um, on baby. Wala pa na mo ginapagamit ang pacifier for now. Siyang age. But a pacifier is a good thing. But it becomes more dangerous when the baby sucks on it all day, all night long, and all day long. It becomes more dangerous. Where in fact, according as I've researched, that when the child is too dependent to a pacifier, it might change the appearance and the structure of his mouth. Like something moves, right? In this part. Alright? So same as true with us. We have our own pacifiers. In katapad na kay own pacifier. Nakakay pacifier. This could be something that you love the most. This could be something that you care about. This is something that consumes much of your time and it sucks your strength. And if you keep on entertaining these idols in your heart, it will leave you empty. The purpose of this of the pacifier is that momentarily ma, ma-relax ang bata, but ultimately it won't really give something to the child, while I milk and pacifier, okay? And same as true with us, the, 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 if we keep on entertaining idols, it will just leave us empty. It will betray us. And the more we entertain it, the more it changes the appearance and the structure of our hearts. And so you think that you are controlling things, but these pacifiers are actually controlling you. And it leads you to this towards destruction and not salvation from anything. So this is this is my point. We do not control ourselves. Okay? <laughs> but this is a, a, the point. We do not control ourselves, but we are controlled by the Lord of our lives, by the idols of our lives ultimately. So let me ask you a question. 
what controls you now? Who or what are the lords you consider as your master of your life? What consumes so much of your time? What sucks your strengths? What causes your anxiety every day that the moment pag matapakainin mo na na yung papa sa mo I need to do this, I need to do that, it really consumes you. What is the one thing that you cannot live without? Is it God? Now, if it is not God, then I would lovingly say to, to you and even to myself that you are under the slavery of these gods. You are under the slavery of the idols of your heart. All right, so we're done with the first point. The saddle form of idolatry, we need to be careful. We need to be watchful in our hearts. And we understand that the nature of, idol, of the idols in our heart is, is it's weak and it makes us a beggar, wanting for approval from others, wanting for approval from God, and also it enslaves us. Now, what's next? Of course, we need to find a solution, right? Because all of us, at some point, we are entertaining idols in our hearts. And we need to find the right solution. And the solution for idolatry is we can see it in still verse 9 because gamay ra kayo atong text karon and but it is really profound okay in verse 9 it says but now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God now when you read this it might be confusing all right if dili nimo if dili ka mo dig in deeper sa pagstudy ani because Paul wasn't actually con- correcting himself. Namingon siya. And now, nakailan na mo sa ginoo. Wait, wait, wait. Nanailan di mo sa ginoo. Paul was not correcting himself here. But he's actually making an emphasis because this word rather, to better understand it, it means more importantly. Okay? So what Paul is saying is this. But now that you have come to know God, you have come to know the true God, you are not pagan anymore because you have come to know the true God. Alright? But it is far more important for you to understand that God knows you. That's his point. Yes, it's important for us to know God, but it is far more important for us to understand that God knows us. Because there are two facets here. You know God and God knows you, right? Now, when you spend so much of your time looking on how much you know God, rather than looking on how God knows you, honestly, you will, you will become insecure. Why? Here's the reality. If we, we, if we say what keeps me secure is when I've come to know God, sometimes your knowing of God is limited. Not really limited, but it's not fixed. Especially when you mess up. Especially when you failed and you sinned. Sometimes you ask to yourself, do I really know God? Makarelate mo whenever you committed something and you ask yourself, do I really know God? I'm, my goodness, I'm doing these things. Uh, do I really know God? Does God really love me? And sometimes we doubt. And so Paul was emphasizing that, that towards them. And sometimes we doubt and makes us, it makes us insecure and that's why we, lo- we, we try to look for things to please God again. But 
when you understand this reality that God knows you and God loves you more than what you could imagine, more than what you can imagine, that's really unchangeable. That's fixed, right? Because I believe God didn't say, well, okay, I, I thought I know Gerald. Not until he was late for church. Not until he, he failed his de- 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 devotional. Not until he, he failed to serve me in this ministry. Not until he committed this. I think I've changed my mind. God didn't. God is not like that, okay? His love for you is fixed. He loves you and he knows you. And when you truly understand how God knows you, it frees you from the insecurity that you don't have to exert efforts by obligation trying to please God. But these, these efforts, these services that we do turns to, our, turns to a delight knowing that God is already pleased with you. So it's two different things. And someone says this. Christians, according to Richard Lovelace, he said this. Christians who are no longer sure that God loves and accepts them, because our, uh, our knowing of God is sometimes limited and sometimes we doubt God, apart from their present spiritual achievements, are subconsciously, radically insecure persons. Their insecurity shows itself in pride, a fierce, defensive assertion of their own righteousness, and defensive criticism of others. They come naturally to hurt or to hate other cultural styles, other races, in order to bolster their own security and discharge their suppressed anger. Now, this is actually what is happening to the Galatians. Because they are trying to bolster their self-image, their standing before God by doing the works of the law. In order for them to be accepted, they need to do this and do that. And that's what makes them insecure because they feel like it's still not enough. I think they have to do more and more. Same as with us, the moment prior to our conversion, I think we can all relate. We think that it's the mora- that morality is the key, right? But there's a deep sense of need in our hearts that we need to do more, even if we have done so many things, good works in our lives, because we feel like it's never enough. So, and in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4, it says here, Paul says, but with me, it is a, a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul was emphasizing here that he is so fixed on the fact that God knows him and that's the basis of his security. Whatever people think about him or whatever he thinks of himself, it doesn't matter. It's not relevant to his salvation. It does not affect his salvation. And I think what makes us insecure is that the fact we don't really understand or we forget that really God knows us more than what we could imagine. And sometimes your insecurity leads, leads you to look for idols in this world. Now let me talk to the men. Why do you invest so much time with your careers, achievements, or even live for money? I believe it's not just for survival sake. Although it's important, okay? But sometimes you become so concerned on what other people might say to you. Your family, your own family, your relatives, even your friends. Now I'm not saying that these things are bad. Right? 
But the moment that you uh, put your identity on these things, and when everything crumbles down, you get discouraged. And you think that your life is worthless because you don't have these things. Because the basis of your self-worth is on these things. Now to the ladies, you're not an exemption. Why do you invest so much time in fashion and to in your appearance, okay, to beautify yourself? Now I'm not saying that's that's bad because I can see so many lovely faces here, right? Even my wife spent almost an hour, okay, in our room. We don't have a closet. Almost an hour to beautify herself with all the clothing, with all the makeup and everything. All right. I'm not saying that's bad, but be careful with the intentions of your heart. Why do you do all these things? Are you doing these things because you're trying to be like others or worse, be better like the others or be better than the others? So be careful. And why do you long for our relationship? We know that God is for a relationship and he is for marriage, right? But sometimes this could be the basis of your insecurity that these people... Makaingon ka ala sila na anay uyab, na anay mapangasawa, na anay mabana puhon. And ako, ingani ra gud gihapon. Wala gud gihapon progress in this area of my life, okay? Now, if you're not careful and you put your identity in there, it makes you bitter actually with God and it makes you bitter with other people. Na naragay ka makita na post nga mag-uyab in the Facebook mo, mag-comment dahin ka na walay forever. Right? So, let's be careful with these idols. And you might be laughing, but it's actually a serious thing because an, an idol or idols are very attractive on the inside, but on the outside, but on the inside, they are very enslaving and they can destroy your life and they can control your life. They don't have the capacity to save you. They don't, they, it makes you beggar trying to look for identity from somebody else. And it enslaves you to wanting more and more of these things but never satisfied. And I think the only way to free ourselves from this destructive influence of this idol is through repentance. And we know that repentance is a, is a daily lifestyle. It should be our habit that we turn away from these idols that gives us full security and false hope and turn to Christ, to the one true God and focus on what he says to us that we need to believe in His promises and the privileges that we have in Him. And that gives you ultimate hope and security. And J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, he says this, What matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis that the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that He knows me. I am graven on the palms of His hands. I am never out of His mind. All my knowledge of Him depends on His sustained initiative in knowing me. I know Him because He first knew me. And he continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there's no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you that we bring nothing to the table with God. We bring nothing and we don't have anything that would attract him to us. We don't have any reason that he might look on us, yet he does. Because he loves you. He knows you. And he, and he knows you. We are undeserving sinners. Yet he sent his son for us so that we could know him but never forget that he knows us first. He knows us that we are running away from him. He knows us that we are doing what we think is good. 
what pleases us. He knows us that we are making up our own idols yet out of His mercy and grace in the fullness of time. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to reveal to us that there is one way, and that's Jesus, that He is the life who can give us life, who can give us eternal life, who can give us eternal security and satisfaction that we want more than the things in this world. So here's actually my, my, my big idea. And after this, I'm going to give you the how and then we will end. I'm so sorry. Okay, tas, tas, kayo. Here's the big idea. When we forget our identity in Christ, when we forget that God knows us, we turn to idolatry. It, and which put us back to slavery. The reason why you're entertaining idols is because you are insecure. You don't really understand the love of God for you. You don't really understand what God has for you. And you are putting your identity on these things rather than on what God says of who you are in Christ. So what pushes the idols in our heart is to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. And that frees us from our insecurity. And I'm going to give you the how here quickly. Now, this is not my work, the, the how part. Um, I, I got it. I copied it from the work of Timothy, uh, Tim Keller. And I, I copied it because somehow it summarizes my, my, my points, my previous points, okay? So how do we dismantle the idols in our hearts? Now, there are four R's. First, we need to recognize how weak they are in themselves. We need to know that in themselves, you cannot really find salvation from anything. The salvation that you want. Salvation from your insecurity. Salvation from your joylessness in life. And secondly, recognize how dangerous they are to you. You must understand that idol enslaves you. Idol controls you, not the other way around. And that idols want you to long for more, but never satisfied. It will just lead you to destruction and exhaustion. And it will just stress you out, actually. And thirdly, recognize how grievous they are to Christ. You must understand that Christ died so that you can be freed from these idols. You can be freed from the power of sin in your life. And if you give in to these idols again, you're actually returning to these worthless idols that cost the life of your Savior. So you must understand this. That your giving into this thing speaks that Christ, what Christ has done for you is never enough. So you must think that, recognize that they are weak, they are dangerous, and they are grievous to Christ. And lastly, it's not just enough to realize these things, the ugliness of our, our idols, but we need to rest your identity in Christ. Remember, idolatry is turning away from the love, the beauty, and the joy of Christ. It's turning away that you find satisfaction on these things rather than on Christ. And you make sometimes your idols as the basis. But we must make sure that we need to turn to Christ. Gaze upon His beauty. See His glory. And be satisfied in Him. And rejoice in what He has done for you. And rejoice on what He says who you are in Christ. We need to find rest in Him. And 
if the idols are, are luring you or trying to tempt you, go back to Christ and say, Christ is enough for me rather than entertaining these things. Because here's the thing. If the idol gives you full security in Christ, God says you are eternally secured. If the idols makes you a beggar in Christ, God says you have everything you need. You are spiritually blessed more than you could ever imagine. If the idols treat you as a slave, He makes you as a slave, in Christ, God says you are already His son and He is your father. And if the idols tells you that you don't have the rights because the slave doesn't have rights, but in Christ, God says you have the rights to appropriate the power available for you to live in an unchained life. So do you want to live an unchained life? Then never forget the identity or never forget what God says and who you are in Christ. Let's pray.